There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Murder. Sometimes a trial doesn't turn out like everyone hoped. On February 21st, 2015, a case appeared on the Unsolved Mysteries website in hopes of finding new leads. A case that, when it finally did get brought to trial, had a much different outcome than most were expecting. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. At 8.10 a.m. on December 6, 2014, in the small town of Cortland, Mississippi, 19-year-old Jessica Chambers was found standing next to her burning car. Her own body smoldering in flames, completely covered in a flammable liquid, which was also poured up her nose and down her throat, responding police watched in horror as she tried to walk towards them. She was rushed to the hospital, but the following morning succumbed to her many horrific injuries. Having suffered from severe burns covering 93% of her body and smoke inhalation, from what investigators could figure, the young woman, in complete agony, managed to escape her vehicle as the flames started to spread, but because of the flammable liquid, was unable to make it out without catching fire herself. With the news shocking the small town and making its way into the national news, some commenters pointed at the murder of young Jessica Chambers as a moment that stoked an already existing racial divide in the Mississippi town. But no matter what side of that divide people landed on, it seemed that everyone could agree on one thing. They wanted to know who set Jessica Chambers on fire. Investigating the scene, officers found Jessica's car keys lying on the road near the vehicle, and her phone, when examined, was able to pinpoint her movements in the hours before her tragic death. According to the pings and witness statements, Jessica spent the morning with two of her friends before heading back to her mother's home where she took a bit of a nap. Later in the afternoon, she received a text from someone and told her mother, Lisa, that she was going out to eat and to clean out her car. She arrived at a gas station about a mile and a half away from the crime scene at about 5.30 p.m. And this, according to sources, was the last time anyone but Jessica's killer saw her alive and well. Now, working with just cell phone records, police found that she had been in nearby Batesville at around 6 p.m., but returned to Cortland just 30 minutes later. Unsure what she was doing in the next town over, the ping showed that just 15 minutes later, she called her mother, who noted how unusually quiet her daughter was. Then, at 7.30 p.m., she drove to the spot where, about 30 minutes later, she was found by a passing motorist and later, first responders. According to the individuals who were treating her wounds at the scene, the young girl allegedly said that someone named either Eric or Derek attacked her. But when questioning those who knew Jessica, no one knew any men by either name. Nearly everyone in town with those names was questioned, and her boyfriend at the time, Travis Sanford, was ruled out as a suspect because he was in jail at the time of the murder. At a complete loss, on February 21st, 2015, the Jessica Chambers case was uploaded to the Unsolved Mysteries website with an interview from her sister Amanda and was documented on People Magazine Investigates. 
Neither seemed to bring forth any hits, and the case remained at a standstill until 2016. That's the year that a man named Quentin Tellis was indicted on a capital murder charge in Jessica's murder. According to the sources, Quentin, who had prior convictions for burglary, drug possession, and fleeing from the police, had also been arrested back in 2015 for the murder of a woman named Mian Chen Xiao, whose debit cards he was caught using after she was found dead in her apartment. Police believe that the 34-year-old had been tortured to death before being stabbed 30 times in an effort to get her PIN code, 10 days before her body was found on August 8th. When he got arrested in Louisiana for Myung Chen's murder, investigators called those in Mississippi to let them know that someone from their county was in custody. That's how Quentin first fell under suspicion in regards to the Jessica Chambers case. Quentin's cell phone records, like Jessica's, helped to pinpoint his movements the day of the murder. It also helped determine that he was the last person who texted her before the end of her life. Changing his story several times, he initially claimed that he had only been with her the morning of the murder. Quinton then told the police that he was in a store in Batesville around the time of the murder. But when checked, the surveillance footage showed him there at 8.26 p.m., more than 15 minutes after the fire was discovered. There was also the fact that, according to their location data, Jessica and Quentin were together until about 7.30 p.m. and had traveled to Batesville at the same exact time. When told this, he changed his story, saying that he was with her until about 7 p.m. when he claimed a friend came to pick him up. But when questioning the friend, he said that he had gone to a football game in Nashville that night. And in confirming his alibi, they completely shattered Quentin's. When confronted about the discrepancies again, Quinton said that Jessica picked him up that night and that the pair went to a Taco Bell in Batesville. He said they went back to his house, sat in his driveway listening to music, and then that she left at around 7 p.m. Again, disproving his claims with both her cell phone and their surveillance footage from the gas station next to his home, which saw her leaving at around 7.30 p.m. and heading in the direction of what would later be the crime scene, Investigators found it extremely unlikely that she encountered some stranger in the 30 minutes before leaving his home and the discovery of the fire. So a DNA sample was taken and found that Quentin's was a match for what was left behind on her car keys, an item that was found along the path between the crime scene and his sister's home. And surveillance footage showed a vehicle that looked a lot like his sister's stopping briefly at his home at 7.50 p.m. before driving towards the spot where Jessica was later found. It also showed that he, for some reason, felt the need to change his clothing three times the day of the murder. And they found that, within the hour of the murder, Quentin deleted all communications with Jessica, with Jessica from his cell phone, and stopped checking on her like he had been doing the whole day and in the days before. In the weeks before the murder, he repeatedly asked Jessica to have sex with him. Each time, she denied his request. Going to trial in October of 2017, prosecutors claimed that, while sitting in the driveway together that night, Quentin yet again asked Jessica to have sex. She resisted and, completely enraged, he suffocated her until she fell unconscious. He then drove her car to the spot where she was later found, ran on foot to his sister's nearby home, took her car and a can of gasoline along the way, 
and returned to pour it over Jessica and her vehicle. Defending their client, Quentin's lawyers argued that it was an individual named Eric or Derek who was the real killer and pointed to a sex offender named Derek Holmes, who, according to what Quentin told the police, was stalking Jessica Chambers. Despite being seen together by several witnesses, Derek was ruled out with an alibi. To further cast doubt on this claim, doctors and other experts noted how difficult it would have been for Jessica to speak due to the injuries to her mouth and throat, and the fact that, according to her cell phone records, she in no way communicated with an individual of either name in the 30 days leading up to her murder. Though initially coming back with a not guilty verdict, it was later discovered that the jury misunderstood some of the instructions, and an hour later, they came back saying that they were unable to reach a consensus. A new trial began on September 24, 2018 in a different county, but in the end, this jury too had difficulty coming up with a verdict. After the second mistrial, Quinton was returned to Louisiana to stand trial for the 2015 case of Mian Cheng Shao, while prosecutors in Mississippi decided whether or not they would bring him to trial for a third time. He ended up pleading guilty to using the murdered woman's debit cards and was sentenced to 10 years as a habitual offender. He was then indicted in 2019 for the murder of Mian Chen, but before the trial was set to begin in 2022, the DA's office claimed that Quinton was sent back to Mississippi to serve five years for burglary. In November of 2023, the Louisiana murder indictment was dismissed. A third trial for his connection to Jessica Chambers' murder is still up in the air. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on February 22nd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.